0: Just send us an email use the contact button on our website retirementunlimited.com or just give our office a call our phone number is 951-684-7011 each week we discuss life's hard financial decisions i mean these are multitude of things that we go over each week and we want to bring up subject matters that we think are important for people to know about. And one of the things that we want to talk about in this segment today is beneficiary designations. Now, the law changed in 2019 and it threw a wrench into the distribution pattern for families. And now between husband and wife, it remained the same, but they changed it and said there's only really five designated, what they refer to as eligible designated beneficiaries. Now the the big issue here is that that recipients in other words retirees parents in particular want to control the amount of money that's being given out to their children and prior to 2019 they could do that because they could do on their life expectancy but after 2019 the 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 distribution pattern changed didn't mm-hmm.
1: it yeah it changed the secure act came out and the secure act adjusted a number of things but these qualified accounts, you know, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, 457s, all these kind of qualified retirement type accounts, um, they, they change what happens when someone passes away. And most of our listeners know that when when you have that account, when you turn age 72, the government makes you start taking out some money. It's because they want to tax it. right? And and so the same thing with you pass away and someone inherits your account, the government wants them to take out the money so they can tax it. And like you said, between a husband and a wife, uh, between spouses, uh, it, it comes out pretty much the same as it did previously. The, the surviving spouse can stretch that account over their lifetime. And, and that, that's great. That's great for the survivor. But what it changed, it used to be that the children or other beneficiaries could also stretch that account over their
0: lifetime. And the benefit of that, of course, is that if you have, let's say, a, a child that's 35 years of age and they are the beneficiary on your retirement account. Then they don't have to take it out over a shorter period of time. They could stretch it out over their life expectancy. And in person age 35, we're talking you know almost 30, 40 years.
1: Yeah, which allows that money to one grow, you right. know, continues to be invested, continue to grow. but that the individual, the 35 year old doesn't have to doesn't have to take out more money if they don't need it. it, doesn't need to add to their income. If they need the money, of course, they can reach in and take it. But, but there's a number of folks who you know have a good income. They don't need the extra amounts. So they want to delay taking that money out and delay the extra taxes. What the SECURE Act did is for a, a lot of folks, it limits it to 10 years. Right. Um, there's, like you said, there's, there's eligible designated beneficiaries who still have this long stretch out that can be used. But for most folks, it brings it down to just 10 years. So it means you have to take out the amount of money within this 10-year window. One of the things we're talking about today is you know, what do you do if you have minor children?
0: What do you do? Yeah. So if you guys, let's say you're a grandparent and you want to leave your retirement account to your grandchild, because under this new law, the child would take it out from the time that they received it. You know, they were the recipient as a beneficiary until they're age 21. And then the clock starts. So from age twenty-one to thirty-one, it has to be taken out over a ten-year period. So technically, they are eligible designated beneficiaries as long as they're below age twenty-one. But then things change. Yeah.
1: So how you do that? There's very few. uh, I think that's you know parent to child. Right. I'm not sure if you can do with grandparents. Just parents to child. But with that, a lot of folks don't want to leave the money directly to their kids, saying even you turn eighteen, you turn twenty-one, it's all yours. Um, you know, I tell a lot of folks, you know, a a good choice for someone who's 21 might be to buy a a reliable car. Mm -hmm. Whereas when they're 31, you know, maybe it's to buy a house when they're 51, maybe it's retirement, Mm -hmm. still good choices, but changes over time. So a lot of um, parents in that in the older generation will want to put their funds in a trust for their, for their kids to help them make, you know, increasingly good choices
0: and kind of control the distribution patterns in that sense. And
1: so when you have an IRA, one of the reasons we bring this up is, is a lot of folks, not they forget about their IRA, but when they think about their wealth picture and they set up a trust, and they're going to you know, transition all this stuff to their kids. You know, For a lot of folks, an IRA or a 401k or some of these qualified retirement accounts could be half, if not greater, of their entire estate. Mm-hmm. And so to, to set up this whole trust you know, and to have your house in a trust, you know, it's a great idea. But a lot oftentimes people will forget to consider what do you do with these retirement accounts, which is a significant amount of money. And so one of the things that people will at times do is, is try and take their IRA accounts and put them into the trust and then have the trust be the one to distribute the money to the kids. It gives you a lot of control. And
0: you would refer to that as a conduit trust that are basically right. Depending. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: so there's a few different ways. Um, a conduit trust means, you know, whatever money comes from the qualified account into the trust, the trust just turns around and hands that to the individual. And so it's just a conduit to pass through. The other option is accumulation trust to say the money comes from the IRA or or the 401k into the trust. And then the trust can hold on to it. They can pay for schooling. They can pay for housing, or they can distribute all of it. Which and so again,
0: all mean. these controlled issues are subject to income tax. I mean, you have yes. to really be careful in your planning process. And again, this is what Jeremiah and I do is that we work with clients on legacy issues. Cause that's why it's not always parent to child. It could be grandparent mm-hmm. to grandchild because of the legacy trying to create a efficient distribution pattern. But when they, when they wrote the new law in 2019, it changed the pattern of distribution yeah. quite a bit.
1: And, and it changed in a number of ways, not just in, um, you know, when the, the individual can get the money, but, but the tax picture of it. And, you know, as, as we talk through, as we talk through a lot of clients as an individual, um, you know, especially even a married couple, if you have income of 450000 or greater, that, that's about the time that you're going to hit the highest tax bracket for an mm-hmm. individual. If you're a trust, after you pass about $12,000 of income, you're in the highest tax bracket. Mm-hmm. It's it's a truncated tax bracket. And so very quickly, you get up there. So to have a, a trust set up for um, a child, they think this will be great for them. It's going to hold the money. It's just going to pay for you know weddings and pay for um, them to go to college and then they won't get the money till and, later. And, it, and I just want a tax issue.
0: Yeah. And I want to interject that if you have, we're talking about qualified money, primarily, this is the issue with retirement accounts. Now, if you have other assets, I mean, trust assets, real estate, stocks, bonds, things like that, business interests, that still is governed by the trust, but we're talking about benefit. I mean, the government just said, you can't just hold this stuff indefinitely. It has to come out now.
1: Yeah. And when it comes out of say an IRA into a trust. That, that counts as income, right. You know, and that, that's the issue that we, we see with a lot of these is even trying to get this control. Um, you have tax issues and, mm-hmm. you know, tax and control sometimes go on either side of, of a pendulum of, of figuring out which one you want. So for everybody, you know, it, it, every time I've done an estate plan or a trust with, with a client, we sit down, we get through what they want their trust to be and we kind of work through all these details. But we also have to visit all the beneficiary designations that they have you know, mm-hmm. with their 401k or their IRA, you know, where's that going to go? Does it, is it going straight to a kid? Is it going straight to a, a brother, a sister, you know, how is that going to work? And similar with life insurance, um, sometimes even checking accounts, they'll transfer on death um, designations. So that the, the beneficiary designation is really important on every account period. Mm-hmm. And then when you have this overlay of trying to get it to, based on the secure act, trying to get it to a minor child, Trying to get it to somebody else, there's a whole nother overlay. And one thing we won't spend much time on, but say you have it all set up and you have a minor child. Well, you usually have a contingent beneficiary who right. goes behind the minor, minor child. Well, based on the language of the Secure Act, the contingent beneficiary, if the beneficiary didn't survive until they were age 31, um, that impacts the tax treatment of how all this works.
0: You can stretch it out a little bit further for the legacy aspects, further
1: right? Further or shorter. I mean, right. that's if, true, shorter if too. If it's huh? an older contingent beneficiary, it's going it's to clip. The, the, the time, which you can do this. So th- there's a lot of overlay here and it, you know, it's something that we review with all sorts of um, clients, we walk through their estate planning, we walk through their financial planning. And, and that, that's part of why we do this together, you know, right. the, the legal and the financial aspects, they so often overlap and to have, be able to come to one place to talk about all of it, you know, that, that that's the value that, that we add to so many clients.
0: Yeah. So the wealth management, I mean, it includes not only the investment side of it, but also, you know, the, the tax side of it, the distribution, the income flow, uh, the estate making sure that things get where they are. And oftentimes, I mean, probably the the one area that I have found in my uh, career when I start to review beneficiary designations on life insurance, on retirement accounts, on you know anything that would have a beneficiary designation, how often they're wrong. Yeah. They're just they're stated wrong. And in fact, we're working on a case right now where it's a surprise to us as we dig through it. One of the primary beneficiaries and no matter what you state in your trust, folks, the beneficiary designation trumps typically what you have in your will or your trust document, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The trust only controls what you put in it. right? Um, I always tell people it's often of like a treasure box and whatever you put in that box, the trust will control. But if you have not put something in that box and left it out, um, then the trust doesn't have power over that. And the idea being uh, say a 401k with a de- beneficiary designation, if it doesn't say it's going into the trust, then it's going somewhere else. And right. the trust doesn't automatically somehow you know get control of that asset um so yeah reviewing those and, and the one that we've been working on you know is, is someone who uh we've respected for many years and and just had one different you know mm-hmm. different than the others and and it, whether it was um, on purpose or whether it's oversight you know it,
0: it's, it's hard it's hard for us to know
1: yeah it's something that you have to go and deal with so it, it's what I, what I also see common is that they they set the uh, clients will set the beneficiary designations when they first got hired at a job mm-hmm. a 401k or you know some sort of retirement plan They set it on there, they write it down, and then they haven't thought about it in the last 20 or 30 years. They've just Mm -hmm. been working, you know, and the account's been growing. And now when we sit down to review, they realize, you know, that might have been related to an old marriage Mm -hmm. or that might have been related to, you know, just a time in their life where they had, you know, different designations.
0: Yeah, I, I can remember a case where I sat down with a client, we were reviewing all the beneficiary designations and not knowing the history of the client. I was meeting with the couple and it's going through. Okay, so now this account is going here and this account here is going here. And then I got to this one account and I said, Now, this is the person that's named as the primary beneficiary. Well, it happened to be his ex wife. Mm. And I tell you what, it was kind of a pregnant moment. I mean, mm. it was a pause there. And she looked at it and he looked at her and he says, Don't worry. It was something that was an oversight on my part. I thought I had changed it, but obviously didn't. That was the moment in time that we, but that was one of the mm. reasons for reviewing all that yeah. and making sure. But At the end of the day, had he passed away, that money would have gone to his ex-wife. You know, I mean, that's the way it would have probably been distributed. So that would have caused a lot of consternation. Oh, oh man, would it?
1: (laughs) Right? Yeah. And and so getting these reviewed is such a valuable thing. Um, And and some clients, you know, they have a good sense of it. They're on top of it. Everything's in order. Others are not. Um, Even life insurance. You know, life insurance often goes to a spouse first and then to a trust or to children second as a contingent beneficiary, but there's reasons to do all sorts of stuff. Um, And it's good to talk through that and have it reviewed to make sure that's a, a tuned up item.
0: And one of the things that we do when we build a plan, I mean, we dig through the documentation and we require clients to show us what the designated beneficiaries are on their 401k if they're still working or whatever the retirement plan is so that we can make sure that if they die, that that money is going to go to their loved ones or the people that they desire to receive that money stay tuned for our next section we're going to talk about the current market volatility and what we can tell you right now is that it is going to be up and down for probably the next several months or so but let's talk about it
2: 8371. Or visit
0: me, Randy Barkley, at retirementunlimited.com.
2: Advisory services offered through Tricord Advisors Incorporated, a registered investment advisor, clearing through TD Ameritrade member FINRA SIPC MSRB. AM 590, the answer. Welcome back.
0: This is the section of the program that we're going to talk about recent volatility within the marketplace. And really the cause of this, I mean, inflation is really having an impact. And of course, inflation affects different aspects of the market, some worse than others. Now, again, going back, we've had over 100% cumulative rate of return for the last, the prior three years. But in 2022, we got hit with several things. Uh, One was, um, you know, the Federal Reserve saw inflation, so they started increasing interest rates. But then you couple that with the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, and then also the continued COVID issues from China, it's kind of like a, a uh, like a perfect storm. Everything is mm-hmm. like coming together, all together. And we do have we do have an inflationary problem, and the Federal Reserve has been very clear they want to slow it down. They want yeah. to bring it under control. Right.
1: Right. And the hard part I see sometimes is like you said the, the COVID um, remnants. Um, not just in the actual disease, but in the, the money that's out there. Right, you know, there was a lot of money pumped into our economy, and some of it got spent. A lot of it got spent. A lot of it got saved, and people still have it, um, and they're spending it. You know, right. and, and they're trying to. You know, the whole reason you have inflation is, you know, that there's a lot of money chasing not enough goods, and either the issue is there's too much money chasing, or there's you know too few
0: goods. Supply and demand. I mean, I'm sure you've heard this before, yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's a very common economic principle. And it's, we are seeing it being played out right now. We
1: see both like, um, you know, not only has there been in, uh, you know, stimulus has gone out, but we see a wage increase, you know, from, uh, you know, even the 2017 tax cuts, you know, that happened, we're seeing some benefits of that still. And that's, that's wage increases. So people have more money. And they also have potentially some savings um, and they're spending and they won't stop spending. (laughs) And it's funny, part of it, if people just, you know, slow down and stop taking trips and stop doing things like that, we could see some of this come down, but nobody wants to, we've been cooped up for two years and people are finally having a moment to get out and go to concerts and uh, go to events. So you're seeing that. And then you also have the supply side of, you know, fuel, um, you know, wheat from ukraine things like that it, it, it's a shock to the system right and, and, it, and it's changed things so like you said the inflation is is a huge driver here but what what we see what everyone sees is as was well watching the stock market is the volatility like it, it's not just a steady in one direction we see a day where it's massively up and then a day where it's massively down yeah. and, and not just in individual stocks which we're seeing that significantly but also a day in which the entire market is moving significantly. Um, you know, earlier this week, Walmart had uh, reported some earnings and the stock fell and that, that pushed the entire market. And
0: the earnings were high.
1: Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't like it was necessarily <laughs> bad.
0: Yeah. So again, most businesses that, that we talk to and what we read about, they're trying to find employees. They, their business is good and they can't find it. Now you have to, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you go, if you would listen, if you listen to us like back in January and December, we were focusing on what we refer to as the mega cap stocks, those mega cap growth stocks. And it's interesting to now those stay at home stocks, they have represented almost forty percent of the market's decline since the first of the year, and they're the usual suspects, but. If you see the the total decline, the problem that we talked about in the beginning of the year is that these stocks are embedded into just about every fund out there. Mm-hmm. So when people sell, they sell the good, the bad, and the ugly. They sell everything because of that. But most of the decline can be attributed to these mega growth cap stocks versus if you're in large cap value, which has a completely different picture, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: It's not, not necessarily a good picture, but it's, right. it's it's a better picture, definitely. For sure. Um, and I think you made an interesting comment too. part of the, it's just a, a plug for long-term investing, you know, someone who's been invested for the last three years, you know, they saw things go up oh, slightly over hundred percent over that time. That that's phenomenal, you know, that right. they would have that much of growth. And now since 2022, they've seen, seen things come down 16%, which is nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants that kind of a, a decrease in their portfolio, but if you have a long-term approach, you're fine. Like right. you are still in a really good spot. If you're a brand new investor, or you're looking to you know, just have the ups and avoid all the downs, um, you, know, you want to get in, get into the market, get out of the market, and get your timing right. Um, that's a real struggle, and it's really tough for folks who have that perspective. Whereas, you have a long term perspective. You know, if you've been invested for the last you know three four years, you're in a great spot, and right. to weather this type of storm is not a problem. And to me, that that's always the when we build people's portfolios to build a portfolio for their life and for their their you know, their economics as well as their psychology. And that's the,
0: the longer term view. So, again, these, these, these mega cap stocks, um, they just got too high in valuation. And now we're seeing the impact of, again, what, what the Ukraine war, the Russia-Ukraine conflict is causing is it's, it's sending shockwaves primarily through the energy markets. And so uh, Walmart, you know, I'll just put them out as a prime example, they have a lot of trucks on the road, mm-hmm. and diesel prices are really high right now. Yeah. So they're they're paying, and they're having to pay higher prices or higher wages for the people that are in their stores. So their bottom line will be affected. But if you look at their revenue, their gross revenue is actually up. Mm-hmm. It's just they're not making as much profit. So therefore their stock comes under pressure. These things will be what what, what we refer to in here as dislocations. I mean, there's mm-hmm. just is the market is beating a, a stock up or a sector up unfairly, so to speak. And it could be correct. It's like bonds were back in April. Bonds got beat up uh, probably more than they should have. And we've seen corrections within that marketplace.
1: Mm-hmm. And inflation is continuing on. You know, yeah. We saw in April, it you know, had been, early this year, it had been about 8.5%, you know, significant inflation. And it, in April, it fell to 83 right. And so whether that's the top, whether there's a change, you know, we're we're not calling that and no one else is.
0: Yeah. I, and I think some people have, you know, we're hearing some people say, well, we're reaching the peak of that. And so from this point on, it's, it's go down, but I, I think it would be foolish for anybody to say that's the peak of yeah. the mark of the right. inflationary market. Especially right
1: with, with, you know, the, the inflation as it feeds into volatility, you know, some of the, the key things that, that we see is inflation includes prices of cars, prices of fuel, prices of shelter, mm-hmm. um, you know, houses have been going up and up and they've seemingly leveled off at least in our region, but, they're still moving um, higher. Gas prices have gone up significantly. Car prices have gone up significantly. And so it, it, based on the data we're seeing, it, it makes sense of where we are. The question
0: being, where will we go from here? Um, and, and that's the question mark. So, I mean, if we look at things that are selected, I mean, the, and and those of you that hit the freeway every 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 day to go to work, and you travel, let's say, 30 to 50 miles one way to go to work, you're the impact. I mean, you're seeing gasoline on your bottom line. I mean, you're knowing that you're having to pay more for just getting your, your paycheck every day. And that is the number one change. I mean, it's gone up dramatically, like 43% uh, over the last 12 months. So this is a major hit. So depending upon how that affects you on a personal level, for myself, and I think also for Jeremiah, our, our, you know our travel to work is relatively nominal. You know, we're not going on the freeways every day, but there are people that travel quite you know, long mm-hmm. distances or their job requires them to travel, yeah. um, construction work and things like that.
1: Yeah, And that's not a, a <laughs> cost that's easily absorbed you know, because right. of how quickly it's gone up. Um, and, and this may be inflation and some of these prices may be sustained for a while. You know, um, you know, when you say a while, you talked about a lot earlier this year, you know, is inflation transitory? Right And often transitory you know wasn't just one month or one week, but it's saying six months, you know if, if this is going to be high inflation for six months and it'll fade away, you know then that might be transitory. Here we've seen inflation increase and it's it's sustaining at the moment. we're hopeful you know many people are that we get a, our supply lines worked out, and that helps things come back down. The Fed is already increasing interest rates it's expected they'll do another fifty points in June that that will slow things down to bring down some of this inflation. So, you know, it, it could be a, a world in which 12 months from when inflation started, it's gone again, right. you know, and, and that would be you know, generally transitory, uh, but we're in the midst of it and whether it, it, it sustains, what gets scary is when you have inflation for one year, two years,
0: three years. And it's, and it's painful. I mean, we have to admit that it's painful for many people, particularly those people that are still working, but the, the key areas, I mean, are gasoline and used cars. Again, utility, natural gas has gone up quite a bit too. But in the two key areas of gasoline and used car sales, we're starting to see kind of a peak in those areas, and hopefully that will start to, um, you know, start to come down. I don't think it's going to like you're like you're just to confirm what you're saying. I don't see it coming down in the next month or two dramatically, but hopefully it will not continue to rise and we'll start to see moderation there and start to come down.
1: Well, as we do this, the Fed's trying to get a soft landing and that's part of this wanting to to bring things back down generally. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, stay tuned for uh, next week when we come back. If you have any topics you'd like us to discuss on our show, uh, feel free to send us an email. Uh, You can use the contact button on our website, which is retirementunlimited.com, or you can give us a call. It's 951-684-7011.
0: Until next week, folks, may you grow in wisdom and knowledge. Thank you for listening.